This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. This is Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. Wasn't necessarily much of a surprise, but the Federal Reserve raised interest rates by a quarter point yesterday. It was the third rate increase for the calendar year and more proof of the growing U.S. economy. But what is ahead for the Fed in 2018? Will we see a match of the three rate increases this year again over the next 12-month period? Dr. Lisa Cook is Associate Professor of Economics and International Relations at Michigan State University to join us and discuss that. Lisa, great to have you back with us today. Great to be here. Uh, I'm guessing uh, you fall into the realm that uh, it wasn't really a surprise to see the Fed uh, hike rates a little bit yesterday. That's right. I wasn't surprised. Uh, I think that this is this is consistent with what they've been saying about what's been happening in the economy. Um, there was you know, there were two dissenting votes rather than than one. Uh, so I think that the consensus is still that the economy is strong, both in terms of uh, the unemployment rate um, uh, and economic growth. Uh, I think it's, it's still a puzzle, though, with respect to the rate of inflation, which hasn't yet hit the 2% target uh, in, uh, in, in recent months. So it's, a, it's still a puzzle. Uh, the rate increases that that have occurred, I mean, they have been incremental uh, at quarter point. Uh, they obviously could have been a little bit a little bit uh, higher if the Fed had wanted to go that way. Uh, but it, it seems like it feels like that 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 quarter point increase that we've seen a couple times this year has kind of been the the right formula to just kind of fit into what has been the economic growth we have seen over the last couple of years. Correct? Yeah. No. I I, I would agree. I would agree. And I think the other thing that I would uh, suggest is that, you know, real wages haven't gone up that much, for example. So, you know, you don't see evidence of the economy uh, overheating, but you do see this desire to uh, get back to more normal uh, monetary policy, monetary policy before the Great Recession. Dr. Lisa Cook joining us from Michigan State University. She's an associate professor of economics and international relations at the school. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111, or you can use my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. We're talking about the Federal Reserve, uh, which raised interest rates yesterday by a quarter of a point. Uh, a uh, as we mentioned, just an incremental move, uh, something that the Fed has done uh, a couple of times this year, but uh, important to note that they have done that nonetheless uh, this year as well. The other piece, uh, Elisa, which is also interesting to this most recent meeting, is the fact that this will realistically be the last time that Janet Yellen uh, will be out in front of the Fed as the uh, as the chair. Uh, Jerome Powell is set to get going here in a couple of months. Uh, when you look back at the term of uh, of Janet Yellen as Fed chair, how how do you mark that? I think that this has probably been one of the most thoughtful chairs we've we've had, um, and I don't mean to take anything away from uh, Ben Bernanke and her predecessors, but um, I would I would 
I would suggest that it is already the case that we know that she was the most accurate Fed official on the crisis when it was happening. So I, I certainly think she started as chair with uh, an incredible record. And I think it is, it is striking that there is this data collection effort, this, um, this uh, desire to learn more about the economy in ways that we had not seen with, uh, with previous chairs. And I'm certainly hoping that Powell will continue this. But, uh, but it seems as though uh, this, this, uh, this effort to understand how our economy has changed, I think it's, it can't be understated that, that something has changed about our, our uh, economy, and it, it could be possibly fundamental. Certainly, you know, macroeconomics is in, I wouldn't say in crisis, but it's, it's in a bit of soul-searching, looking for the models that are uh, correct to explain our economy. So I think in, in, while we're trying to figure that out, we certainly need to know as much as we can about the economy. And I think uh, Chair Yellen has done a, a really uh, thoughtful job of trying to figure out what the data are telling us. But it, it seems like that that going into 2018, it may be a, a time where it's the old line where the rubber hits the road because we're getting ready, it seems like, to get into a year where we're going to have uh, tax cuts as, as part right. uh, of the formula. And obviously a lot of people aren't, I think, really sure as to you know what the implications of, of those are going to be for the economy. We've seen pretty good growth uh, GDP the last couple of quarters. Obviously the White House is touting 3 to 4% growth, but a lot right. of a lot of economists are, are wondering whether or not we can we can hit those again. No, I, I and I think it's a good it's a, it's a good question. It's an open question. Uh, typically we have a sense, a good sense of what the multiplier is with respect to uh, tax cuts or with respect to any fiscal stimulus. But I think it's an, it's a really open question again because we don't have our models are not working like they they, they used to, uh, so I think it is uh, it's not completely mysterious what will mm-hmm. happen. But I think that we will get, and I agree with uh, Chair Yellen when she says that most of the uh, changes in tax policy will give some some lift to economic growth. But the Fed didn't change uh, fundamentally its long run view of how uh, the economy will unfold. This will not have. Uh, it seems, is, is they're projecting, a lasting effect. And I think that there is always uncertainty. There's uncertainty with respect to the provisions. There's uncertainty with respect to the timing. Mm. So we have uh, a lot of uncertainty that we always predict with fiscal stimulus, that it comes with a lag, and we don't know exactly what the implications will be. But I think this is a really uh, uncertain environment. So that... Go ahead. So I was going to say, so then do you think that, that the Fed moving forward, uh, the new chair and, and all of the governors need to be very much even closer watching the economy yeah. because of all this uncertainty and because it, it's almost become a little bit of a, of a game right now that people are wondering, OK, how many rate cuts are the Fed going to have in 2018? You know, there's anywhere, right. you know, there's a lot of guesstimating going on out there. And so for the Federal Reserve, they really have to be watchful of this so that they uh, to a degree they don't overheat things. That's right, Dan. I mean, they have to be so cautious. And the precedent that 
uh, Chair Yellen has set is one where the data are watched in every nook and cranny and everything feeds into their uh, calculation in a way that um, possibly hasn't been done in the past. I mean, certainly the traditional theories are being followed, but yeah. there is much more economic information out there. And just trying to harness it and make it coherent is, is a big challenge for macroeconomists these days. So they really have to be uh, cautious and vigilant, as, as you're saying. Absolutely. Well, the the unemployment number, which I, I'd like to t- touch on for a, a couple of minutes, the the latest number, I think, if memory serves me, had it still at four point one percent for the country, and uh, th- there's an expectation of, of whether or not that number can go much lower than it actually can. Uh, what's your belief right. on that? You know, I. So, so they're forecasting 3.9% for 2018 and 2019. Um, You know, I am as cautious as the Federal Reserve is on on this. We don't know what the natural rate, the rate at which uh, inflation will kick up, the rate of employment at which the the, uh, economy will begin to overheat. That's why. As you were saying, the FOMC has to be super cautious, super vigilant, and getting as much information about the economy as, as they can. Because we still don't see – we see wages barely depressed, so we don't see these inflationary pressures. And the big challenge that Jerome Powell is going to have is figuring out where this uh, – natural rate of unemployment is, why they haven't met the inflation targets yeah. yet. So so this is a puzzle that remains, the big puzzle that remains. Well, for the people that, that don't follow it closely, give us a sense of, of of what you see as the reasoning why the inflation targets are, are not kind of falling into where the Federal Reserve has, has it expected. So it could be uh, several factors. Um, some of them uh, structural, some of them possibly uh, short run. Um, the uh, the gig economy, for example, could be uh, depressing wages in in a certain way. Um, uh, globalization could be depressing wages in a certain way. I mean, you can uh, exchange uh, uh, tasks across countries uh, much more quickly than you were able to do before. Uh, so there are many things that could be uh, depressing wages. And uh, the question is whether these are structural factors or whether they are uh, short-run factors. But, you know, the short-run, if we're talking about short-run, uh, they've been depressed for quite some time. You know, they've been depressed, in a sense, for almost 10, 10, 10, 10 years if we're talking about yeah. the uh, most recent recession. So then, how do you how do you react when we see you know a a jobs report that that comes out uh, last week and uh, you know you add two hundred twenty eight thousand new jobs to the economy and the uh, the rate of pay increase hourly wage increase was up a nickel but it's still over you know the year I think it's still at about two and a half percent wage increase that we've seen and we're seeing a lot of the jobs but we're just not seeing the uh, the the economic benefit for a lot of the workers right now. Right. No, that's right. That's right. And that's that's inherently part of the uh, part of the puzzle. Uh, so, I mean, wages haven't kept up with productivity more generally, right? I mean, uh, there's 
in, in 25 years, there's not been sort of a close match between the rate of increase of uh, wages and the rate of increase of, of productivity. So certainly it's already uh, wages are due for an increase that is closer to um, to how productivity is evolving. Uh, but I, I think that this is, I mean, it's not just a, 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 a big puzzle. I mean, if you think that it is a puzzle for macroeconomists, <laughs> you can only imagine <laughs> what it is for, for our students, right. right, who are trying to plan careers, right. right? They're trying to figure out which sector is going to be the one that is uh, growing the most. And they're growing at, uh, you know, wages are growing on average at 0.5%. So you can't, um, or 0.2%, you know, at very, uh, at very low uh, rates. I think the only counsel I can give them, for example, is to try to get into a sector where you can guess that wages are going to be uh, fairly high. So the first thing you have to do is complete your college degree. Right. Uh, because that's where we see uh, there's going to be, I mean, we already see higher wages and lower unemployment. So that's the, the guidance that we can give them now, and it's fairly basic. But, uh, but this is where we, uh, where we have some certainty. But, but you're right, it's a, uh, it's, it, it really is a big puzzle. And, and I think that this is going to produce many papers in economics. What is the real, uh, the real bottom? What's, uh, or the, uh, the the ceiling with respect to um, wages or inflationary pressures in the economy. Um, we don't know what's going to happen to uh, energy prices, for example. Right. So uh, those are really hard to predict. Certainly that's a part of uh, inflation. We don't know when these wages are going to kick up. You know, employers have had this holiday with respect to what they can ask of employees. Uh, they were asking this during the recession. And we haven't seen any movement with respect to, um, with respect to uh, the share of uh, wealth, share of profits going to workers relative to shareholders. So I yeah. think that this is going to be a question, uh, if we see inequality, emerging as we have over the past uh, decade, certainly uh, before the recession, but picking up after the recession, um, if we see inequality continue to grow as it has been, we're going to be asking this question more. Are we uh, compensating uh, shareholders uh, disproportionately uh, relative to, uh, to, to workers? And I, I think it's a, a real question that needs uh, some real solutions very soon. Dr. Lisa Cook is with Michigan State University. We're talking about the Fed's interest rate increase. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. It, it's interesting you touch on that, Lisa, because if if I remember correctly, going back maybe like four or five years when we were really starting to to start to have those first peaks coming out of the recession, if, if memory serves me, we started to see people feeling more confident that they could up and leave one job and go to the other. And, and obviously that was what was thought to be kind of a spurring potentially of the, of, of the wage growth that maybe we were going to see. Did we not see enough of that in, in that period of time? And are we not seeing enough of that right now? Uh, so, so we started to see it, um, and you're 
Uh, referring to the JOLTS report uh, with respect to confidence about leaving a job, um, we are not seeing as much of it as I think we we would have anticipated, for example. Um, and again, I think that there is a deep-seated, and we saw this, we have the same sort of psychology with respect to people who have survived other kinds of economic trauma, right. like uh, the Great Depression. Uh, sometimes there is a deeper-seated um, uncertainty or sense of uncertainty, sense of uh, unwillingness to change uh, following a traumatic economic event. So I, I think that we're seeing uh, some uh, some movement, but not that uh, not that much with respect to uh, job changes, and not that much confidence in the ability to uh, change jobs. So I, I think you've put your finger on it. This is uh, this is a real concern. Dr. Lisa Cook with Michigan State University joining us. Your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. It's funny, when when we review the the jobs report every month, Lisa, you know, I've kind of moved away from the unemployment number, and, and I've kind of started to look at uh, the the participation number and, and that's yeah. that number is still you know in the high sixty twos and it's still you know significantly lower than than where we were a decade or decade and a half ago if memory serves me and it doesn't seem like we're able to to really get that participation up now part of that could be you know the fact that we had a, a lot of the baby boomer generation you know be affected right. by the, the the recession they just said enough's enough and I'm not going to go back and maybe that number will incrementally go up over time but how much weight do you put on the on the labor participation rate well i think that it is uh certainly uh concerning but as you said um, it's been concerning since uh, since before 2000. Um, this has been a long-run trend, some of it uh, related to baby boomers, um, but some of it related to uh, people returning to school. Uh, and as I said, when we're uh, counseling our students, certainly they sat on the sidelines uh, during the recession to figure out if they should get more uh, education or if they should go into the workforce and um, people went back to school. And what we know about baby boomers is that they are uh, getting back into the, the labor force. Uh, they're getting back into, uh, you know, they haven't uh, saved enough for, in, in many instances, for retirement or right. Uh, their retirement funds went bust. Their pensions were taken away during the uh, recession. So we see more uh, part-time work, for example, among uh, among retirees. So, uh, so, so this is this is a worrisome trend. But uh, some of it is, is structural, and some of it is uh, is is not. And we unfortunately we can't look into a crystal ball and uh, say exactly what the uh, what the precise factors are, but we know that all of these are in play. All of the factors that you mentioned uh, are in play, including uh, returning to school. And returning to school is not a bad thing, right? Right. Yeah. Because as I as I mentioned, um, there's uh, there's a certain amount of skills that one expects from a college degree. This is uh, compensated uh, through low unemployment rates, compensated through uh, salaries, higher median salaries. So. 
uh, we certainly need to see how uh, how students, how graduates are going to respond uh, to the labor market they they see. Well, because that 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 could change the labor force participation rate and their willingness to go back to school to get more skills. And, and the other piece to that is in terms of the, the potential tax uh, plan by the GOP uh, was uh, the potential impact that that graduate students uh, may very well see right. uh, from the, from the change of the tax status. Right, that's right. And, um, and from from what I've seen, and and this hasn't been passed yet, the uh, the tax on graduate uh, tuition has been uh, taken out. So I think that yeah. that is a a tremendous uh, development, and that would have discouraged people from uh, going back uh, to school. And uh, certainly that could potentially raise the labor force participation rate. But again, it, one has to figure out whether. Uh, these uh, trends are more uh, structural and long-term or uh, short-run and in response to uh, current labor market conditions. So where we are right now with, with, uh, with the country, and you know, even though there are still plenty of jobs out there, uh, the term full employment uh, gets it gets used quite a bit, and and obviously any time we we get around the labor department uh, monthly numbers and the unemployment numbers coming out, that term full employment comes out. Uh, and I'd love to get your opinion of, of whether or not you think we are at full employment right now. I'm going to stop using that term. Okay, it's just so elusive. Yeah, um, yeah. In the sense that, um, like you. I, I listen to jobs reports and I read jobs reports and I report on jobs reports uh, with great interest, but there's so much more information that we need now. You know, the headline numbers almost uh, uh, are almost meaningless. We've got to dig into uh, the sectors. We've got to dig into uh, long-term unemployment, for example, right. uh, something that we didn't pay as much attention to uh, before the recession, but certainly we should pay attention to uh, now. So, uh, you know, are we at full employment now? It's 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 not clear because we are possibly at the current unemployment rate is below what most economists, the consensus of economists, would think is the natural rate of unemployment. Right. So so so. Uh, we we don't know. It is an open question whether we are are at full employment. Um, the Federal Reserve is saying that uh, that job gains are strong, that they are solid, but it didn't say. Uh, the Federal Reserve did not say that we are at full employment. But this is, you know, uh, their actions suggest that we are uh, near full employment because mm-hmm. you know if you're increasing the, uh, the federal funds rate. Um, that that suggests that action suggests that um, we could be near uh, full capacity, but uh, but the inflation rate <laughs> is yeah. still there. Yeah, it's still still a big puzzle. Uh, let me ask you this: wrapping up, we've got about a minute or so left. Uh, you mentioned about how how you viewed Janet Yellen and and spoke glowingly of her, and and she has done a I think a very very good job uh, in that position. Uh, from what you know of or heard have heard of about Jerome Powell, what kind of a Fed chair do you think he could be? Well, I think that it is, you know, that's, that's a really good question, Dan. I mean, I am accustomed to um, my colleagues who are economists and who are macroeconomists being the chair. 
he is an attorney. Right. And that doesn't mean that um, he would necessarily do a, a bad job as an attorney. He's been on the uh, on the FOMC before. So, you know, I, I don't think that this is a, a huge change. But I I wonder whether there can be an appreciation for all of the the nuggets from which uh, Chair Yellen has been seeking uh, greater information. And the good news is you know, there are thousands of economists who are working at the Board of Governors, you right. know, and uh, many more who are working at the Federal Reserve Banks. And they have uh, been feeding this process of gathering more data. Uh, and one would hope that this apparatus uh, stays in place right. and that uh, these uh, new ways of looking at data, the new uh, sources of data uh, would be uh, judged in a very uh, cautious and thoughtful way. Right. And I see no indication that, uh, that 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 would change. Lisa, great talking to you again. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, Sam. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.